From COK Studios on Ophira Eisenberg's Easy Chair, this is Consider Our Knowledge. I'm Connor Bentley. And I'm Cordell Nutbrock. On today's show, we'll consider our fall pledge drive and how you can support this public radio podcast. We'll also consider some new reading material with Lynn Ruffle in our Book Look segment. And we'll consider the Gadsden Purchase. Just kidding. No, we won't. Stay with us. Support for Consider Our Knowledge comes from the Joe Biden Foundation, committed to consistently reminding Americans that Joe Biden knows Barack Obama, worked with him, and is practically best friends with him. Did we mention Joe was Barack's VP? Visit joeknowsberry.org to see pictures of them eating ice cream and playing badminton. And gregslist.com, a website dedicated to a list of cool stuff that local janitor Greg Jablonski has found in the trash at James Polk High School. This is Consider Our Knowledge. I'm Connor Bentley. And I'm Cordell Nutbrock. It's fall pledge drive time again, and instead of starting the show with a news story and then transitioning into our biannual pitch for support, we're just going to get right to the point. Quite. Your support is very important, and frankly, we can't afford to wait until the second segment to ask for money. I mean, we literally cannot afford it. Our move to a new studio and the ensuing summer hiatus has left a bit of a gap for us financially. It has. Dinah isn't here this week because she's taking some furlough days, and Cordell is only able to be here because he makes a lot less than Dinah. What? What? Oh, you had to know that, Cordell. She's the co-anchor of the show and you're only a field reporter and fill-in anchor. How is this news to you? Well, I guess I just assumed that since I'm always off to war-torn areas and scary locations to cover important news, that I was being compensated according to the inherent risks of the job. No, it's just because you're expendable. How rude! But you're not expendable today because we need you to help get our listeners to give. Uh, Fine, I'll do it. But we're not friends for the rest of the day. That hurts, but okay. But we really do need you to make a donation of 5 or $10 a month. It's easy. Even a moron like Connor here can do it. All you need to do is go to our website and click Support COK. There you will click a link to our Patreon page where you can make a secure monthly donation. Give now so we can keep this episode going. Ooh, looks like we've got $5 already. Can I have it since I'm clearly so underpaid? Sorry, but that has to go to pay for the new chairs we got. Maybe the next $5 can be yours. Hmm. We're going to take a short break from this fundraising to hear our own entertainment reporter Fritz Hicks's interview with Ken Burns about his latest documentary film, Country Music. I'm here with Ken Burns, who has told the story of America through the lens of the U.S. Civil War, baseball, jazz, and the war in Vietnam. Now he's telling it again through the soundtrack and the struggle of country music. Thanks for being here with us. It's my pleasure. I'd love to give my time and support to public radio. That's super. Why did you decide to make this new film, and what is your fascination with country music? It says so much about who we are as a nation. I honestly don't know why we denigrate country music. We superficially label it, you know, pickup trucks and good old boys and hound dogs and six packs of beer, when it is in fact dealing with the fundamental questions of the human project, which is love and loss. Yes, yes, I agree. I myself am a fan of some of the greats, like Johnny Cash, Loretta Lynn, and Merle Haggard. We actually have some amazing footage of Merle in what ended up to be his last interview. It's very special stuff. 
I'm sure it is. He's a special singer-songwriter, that's certain. We talk oh no, I'm sorry, but if you want to hear more of Fritz's interview, you'll have to make a donation. If we get another $5 donation, we can continue with the interview. If not, we'll just have to let our own popular teenage reporter, Melissa Reynolds, talk about the gossip at her school. OMG, Cordell, you won't believe what happened at Sadie's last weekend. <laughs> It was tragic. My friend Hannah has totally been crushing on this new exchange student from Hungary named Gabor. Gabor? Yeah, Gabor. Stay with me, Cordell. Anyways, Hannah is like way hot on Gabor and she asked him to go to the dance and he said yes. So she was like super stoked, right? But, like, the minute they got there, he was all over this skank, Courtney Goobler, who had to leave our school last year for telling everyone that our PE teacher sold her weed. It wasn't true, and now she goes to the Catholic high school across town. I don't know why she was at the dance in the first place, but Gabor was all flirty with her and totally ignored Hannah. It was so sad. Only five dollars, and we'll return to our interview with Ken Burns. No, 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 no. You need to hear what happened to Hannah. Oh, we got a donation. Sorry, Melissa. <sighs> Whatever. I do wonder in a modern age, in which convenience will win out, whether we will be able to create the right conditions to express the kind of things that Jimmy Rogers and, and Mabel Carter and Hank Williams and Johnny Cash and Dolly Parton and Chris Christopherson have been able to express. Yes, yes, I agree. Uh, oops, that last donation was actually only a dollar, so that's all you get for now. Another ten dollars and we can finish the interview. So, Gabor made out with Courtney and I spent the whole dance with Hannah in the ladies' room. It was totes painful. Not as painful as not donating to COK? I don't know, it was pretty bad. We really hope you'll go online and make your gift today so that we can continue to bring you the best programming possible. And my super hot goss. Quite. You're listening to Consider Our Knowledge. Now we turn to Book Look with our resident librarian and author, Lynn Ruffle. Lynn is joining us with some recommendations for what you can read this fall. Good to see you, Lynn. Hi, Connor. It's good to be here. So what have you been up to lately, Lynn? Any new writing projects? No, I haven't written anything lately. I've had a bit of writer's block. I'm sad to say that my fans will have to wait a bit for the next installment of my Red Sunset saga, The Undertaker's Lust. I just can't seem to figure out the plot. That's too bad. I know, but hopefully the muse strikes me soon. I really need to resolve the sexually charged love triangle between Linda, Cadmus, and Lionel Richie. Wait, Lionel Richie is a character in your vampire books? Oh yes, he's integral. Ever since book four, Dancing on the Ceiling of Blood. I'm surprised to hear you say that, Connor. I thought you said you had read them all. I have. It's just been a while. I see. Well, if you've read them, what's Lionel Richie's dark secret? Uh, that he's a vampire? <laughs> I should have never doubted you. Well, anyway, what books have you come to recommend to our listeners? Well, I have several very intriguing books that I'd love to share. The first is the new book by acclaimed author Margaret Atwood, The Testaments. It's a sequel to her very well-known book, The Handmaid's Tale. I heard somewhere that they made it into a TV show. They did. It's very popular. Alas, I don't own a TV, so I've missed it. 
The Testaments opens about 15 years after the end of The Handmaid's Tale and follows three distinct characters. Agnes, who grows up in Gilead as the daughter of an important commander. Daisy, a passionately anti-Gilead activist teenager who lives in Canada. And Aunt Lydia, whom Atwood's readers will remember unfondly from The Handmaid's Tale. So how does it stack up to the original? Well, I seem to have missed the original book, too. But I thoroughly enjoyed this new book. It really made me want to read the first one, so I put it on my to-read list. I'd give the Testaments a solid A-. One fun fact I discovered when I was researching Margaret Atwood and her books is that there is an entire genre of dystopian novels set in the future. Who knew? A lot of people, actually. Dystopian future novels have always been very popular and have seen a massive resurgence since the election of Donald Trump. You don't say. Well, I got stuck down the rabbit hole of dystopian novels, so that's all I'm here to recommend. They're very good and thought-provoking. Have you heard of a book called 1984? Yes, by George Orwell. Oh, I'm glad you know him because I didn't until last week. Seriously? You didn't read 1984 in high school or hear anyone talk about it at the library? I suppose not, but I highly recommend 1984. It's very dark, but I think it has some very relatable themes. It does. You've really never read it before. No, but you know me. I stick mainly to fantasy and nonfiction. But it's one of the most important and popular books of the 20th century. Well, I don't know what to tell you. That Orwell guy really had me, though. Did he write any other books? Several, but none of them were about vampires. <laughs> oh, well. Another dystopian book I'd like to let people know about is A Clockwork Orange by Anthony Burgess. It is set in a near-future society that has a youth subculture of extreme violence. The teenage protagonist, Alex, narrates his violent exploits and his experiences with state authorities intent on reforming him. Yes, I'm pretty sure our listeners have heard of that one, too. It was also a very popular film in the 70s by Stanley Kubrick. It's not ringing a bell. But despite the very violent imagery, I also enjoyed this dystopian book as well. I'd give it a B+. I've also enjoyed my foray into these novels. Well, maybe you could use some dystopian themes in your vampire series, Lynn. Wait a minute. That's it! The muse is upon me. You're a genius, Connor. Lionel Richie could be working for a secret government agency of vampires that monitors the sexy vampires for being too sexy. It's like Big Brother has been watching them the whole time. I need to get home and get to work. This has so many possibilities. I'm glad I could help. And the vampire agency could all wear riot gear and reprogram the sexy vampires to be less sexy so they don't seduce as many innocent women. This is fantastic. I could be creating a whole new genre here. Dystopian vampire fantasy erotica. I'm going to finish this book in no time. I can't wait to read it, just like I've read all the others. Mm-hmm. Thanks for coming by and sharing your fall book picks with us, Lynn. You're welcome. That was Book Look with Lynn Ruffle. That's all for this week's episode of Consider Our Knowledge. We really do hope you'll support our podcast by making a donation on our Patreon page. You can do it by clicking the Support COK button on our homepage, and that will take you directly to Patreon, where you can make a 5 or $10 secure monthly donation. If you make a donation of $10, we'll send you a tote bag. The COK team includes Emily Clausen, Jeremiah Knight, Natalie Thorpe, Marianne Wetzel, Hobart Willis, and Spencer Cannon. 
If you'd like to download the podcast, you can do it at iTunes or at Stitcher.com. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at ConsiderOurNo. Our intern is Ryan Shattuck. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Connor Bentley. But despite the very violent imagery, I also enjoyed this. I know. I'm ever so empty inside. <laughs> no food. No food. <laughs> Although I did have dinner, so I don't know what's going on.